Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to this Legion podcast on Neil Before Pod. Today you are listening to me, Aaron, speak, which is quite Legion because I'm not used to being here. I feel quite uncomfortable. I don't really know what I'm doing or where I am. So it's definitely going to be a Legion podcast. And in the reverse of the normal situation, I have with me, Craig. Hello. It seems that someone has travelled back in time and stolen my podcast. Uh, that's entirely possible, but we don't think we can be sure that this isn't complete illusion, so I wouldn't take any of this for granted at all. I'm sure normal service will resume at some point. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I can't promise that, but, but we can certainly try. <laughs> um, how are things with you? Things are good. I'm feeling a bit mind-bent after kind of binge-watching four episodes of Legion over the past couple of days. Um, it's quite an ordeal. To just sit and immerse yourself in that world for such a concentrated period of time. Uh, yeah, that's a bold choice, actually, doing them all in once. I, I split them out myself over a few days just to give myself a little bit of room to get my brain back into space. But yeah, so we're doing episodes, season three, episode two, three, four, and five in this podcast, or chapters 21 through 24, depending on who you keep track of time in your Legion world. And I think we're going to do one more after this one to finish off the season. Yeah, there's eight episodes, so yeah, we'll leapfrog another three and then come back for the final ever Legion podcast. Crazy, but absolutely. Before we do Legion, let's do our Neil Befores and Rise Against. Craig, you can start me off, keep me back on track, give me something to Neil Before. Sure. Uh, I'm going to kneel before the trailer for Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes returning to those characters after so many years. The trailer looks a great deal of fun. I mean, I like the, I like Kevin Smith's films to, to varying degrees. Tusk wasn't that great, but other than that, I think he's done good work. And um, seeing Jay and Silent Bob again should be a lot of fun. Um, Melissa Benoist is in it. Uh, she's in Supergirl. She is Supergirl, so that's almost proof that people like to work with Kevin Smith. You know, he's gonna—they're gonna turn up for these uh, these tiny little com- by comparison films that he wants to make. And I'm just excited. The trailer looks super fun. Uh, I've seen a clip from it before because I was at his live podcast, um, which I'll link if I can find it. But um, yeah, it's cool. I like I like Jane Silent Bob. Do you reckon he's got? Anything new to add, then? If it's a reboot, I mean, is, is he making jokes on the idea of rebooting universes? Or is... I mean, what's the, what's, what's being offered here? So it seems the joke is that the reboot refers to a reboot of the in-universe superhero franchise, Bluntman, I think it is. Oh, so it's, right. they, they hear about this remake of themselves, effectively, and they travel to LA to try and stop it. Uh, right. It's along those lines. Um, so it's, it's probably going to be poking fun at the whole reboot culture and... and Maybe referencing how relevant Jay and Silent Bob might be in this kind of modern time where there's been enough time that, sure, there's a cult following, but also are new fans going to be interested? I mean, I don't think Kevin Smith makes films that he expects to make an awful lot of money. He talked at length about that when Yoga Hosers came out. It's like, as long as it makes its budget back, I don't care. 
and and that's his attitude. He's making films for himself now, which is admirable, I guess. Sure, fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, I did watch some, so I'll definitely give it a watch. When's that coming out? Uh, I forget. Later this year, I think, maybe. Right. Um, I will chuck into the Neil Before Bucket The Expanse Season 4, which we think you might have talked about with Chris on a different podcast, or yes, not. It's on the Comic-Con podcast, which may or may not be available as you listen to this. Nice. So we won't worry about that too much, but I'll say I looked through all the stuff that's coming out recently, and I'm still more into my sci-fi than I am into my supers. Interestingly, Legion gives me something here that I think is more on offer from sci-fi shows than it is from the, the, the superhero shows. So it is uh, is one of the reasons I've stuck with Legion here. Um, but yeah, if you've already discussed it, I will register my interest in case this particular podcast goes and does some more Expanse stuff. And then maybe me, Chris and Kat can follow up on that. Yeah, I mean, it was only a, a brief chat about the trailer because we were on with Nick and Nick hadn't seen the season, let alone the trailer. So right. Couldn't really dig into it. But so what are you, what about it kind of stood out to you? Let's just assume that everybody listening has seen the trailer or doesn't really care. I'm going to be honest, the thing that I'm most interested in is actually not what was in the trailer because sometimes I see trailers and I, I say there's some plot and I don't really know that I'm somebody who finds the characters really cool and want to see more of the really cool characters. It's more that I'm just interested to know what they're going to do it because Kat said that when we were do- when we were doing uh, uh, season three podcast, Kat said that the books go into a big time jump and it's actually a totally different setup when they go into the when they go through the the gates. But this show that's been picked up by Amazon definitely shows us the same... Ca- I mean, they're adding new characters in, but it's definitely showing us the same team. Now, I'd actually need Kat to give me the full details, because I've never actually read the books. But it is a restart of the show, from my perspective. They have done something mind-bending and universe-altering. All the politics has been reset, and you've now got a frontier situation being brought in in place of this deep old world politics so i wonder if they're going to play what they're going to do with that how they're going to play with that and it, it it's a it's a it's a, to- it's a totally new show and it's almost appropriate that it's actually changed networks if you will you know at this point because they could they could actually take it in a whole new direction so they've managed to do the time jump without doing a time jump well maybe yeah. i don't I, I actually don't know but yeah possibly so I have to say, I'm I'm not sure that I'm particularly interested in what's been offered. It's another one of those ones where I'm more interested in the potential. So you'll you'll have to come back to me on a on a future podcast to see if I actually do kneel before rise against. See which way it's gone. Cool. Yeah. I'll try and um, set that up in the future or in the past. Who knows. And you've got quite a lot of options now because you're supposed to be coming back to me and other ones for the ones I left for for recall on the previous one. I forget, was that Dark Crystal and something else? So yeah. Um, you've got a big list of follow up here if we ever need some chat. That's for sure. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for Neil Befores and Rise Against in the future. All right. Okay. Well, that in mind, let's do a bit of Rise Against. What is your hated quantity this time? Okay. So I'm just going to. Um, 
I was going to go with something else, but I'm going to go with this. I don't know, it just jumped in. I'm going to go with The Lion King, the live-action <laughs> commas remake. Uh, I don't think it's going to surprise anyone that I found it underwhelming. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as Aladdin, but then what is? Uh, sure. But it's still, it's a completely soulless, pointless waste of time. Um, the novelty of the visuals, which are admittedly amazing, wore off for me within about 10 minutes. So right. after that, I was just watching a, a poorly paced retread of the original film. Um, and obviously, traditional animation, just like with the um, the original film, it affords you some liberties. You know, you can do interesting setup for the, the musical numbers. Uh, you, know, you can make them look dynamic and you can have lines behave like they wouldn't behave. You can have them emote. Uh, facial expressions where you can tell what they're feeling. You can't do that when you're shooting for photorealism. So you've just got lions talking to each other, and you don't really get a sense of how they feel with their um, with with their facial expressions because they don't have any. They just look like lions. No, I'd expect that to be done in the voice acting and general direction. Even if you couldn't do the facial expressions, you should still be able the body language of the lion, as in its it's turned away from you and it's looking back, or it's looking down or looking up, and yeah, and, and then with the voice acting added on, it sh- it should be possible, but you get that basic stuff. But the thing about the voice acting is it seems more subdued to match the um, the kind of bland look of of these lions that are talking to each other. Yeah, tricky. Uh, yeah, which is a which is an absolute shame. I think um, I think the the bubble should hopefully burst on these live action remakes because they're not bringing anything new to the table. Uh, once again, photorealism is what they were shooting for here and that's what they did, but what's the point? Um, James Earl Jones sounds super old now. Yes. Really old. So instead of being a king in his prime, at the head of a pride, he sounds yes. like some old guy that's on his last legs. Indeed. So Which is not what Mufasa is. And it's no. not what he is in the film, this version of the film either. No. You know, he's supposed to be the, oh no, Mufasa's here, we're really screwed now. It's like, yes. no, it's just some old guy. Like, yeah. He's just roaring at you and hoping you'll run away. But, um, So, yeah, there's... I would say if you want to watch The Lion King, just watch the original. It'll take you less time and it's way better. <laughs> Fair play. Um, I wasn't attracted in by these, so I'm probably not going to go and see it. But I wonder if it's, if it's still pulling in sufficient money, then that will actually keep them going into others. Have, have the previous made any money, do you know? Uh, I'm really not sure, actually. Um, I know that the screening I was in was empty. Really? There was about eight people in it. I mean, it was half ten in the morning, but even still, that's some indication of, you know. So maybe people are sick of them. A trailer for Mulan came out recently, and they seem to be making some changes, but when it comes to Disney's live-action output, I'm more interested in things like Maleficent, which is, here's a character that was in something, but we're going to do something completely different with them. Uh, Fair play. Mulan seems to be getting a lot of good press, though. Um, But I guess we'll see. I'm less familiar with Mulan, the the animated film that I am with like the Lion King and stuff, but sure, it seems like they're not following the the template of the original script so severely in that one, which will, if nothing else, be a a decent change, I guess. Even if it's rubbish, you'll be like, well, at least it's not the same film again. Yeah, well, they they're gonna have to make some serious choices with it if they're not bringing in the, for one of a better word, um, oh, I can't even think of the word cross dressing. 
<laughs> no, I was, I was thinking of the, the wee little dragon character that's not in it, the mascots or whatever they are. You know, the, yeah. these little sporting ones, if they're not going to be there, they're, they're on track to create some form of much more, not adult film, but you know what I mean? It, it's not quite so pure comical. It will have some pretty serious themes, even if it's aimed at the family market. So mm. they could actually do something really quite different and impressive with, with Mulan. But, I'm thinking but the yeah, dragon will turn up, they're just not showing him yet. Mushu is his name, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, one to avoid then, Lion King, as far as yeah. you're concerned. Don't watch it. Watch the original. Buy the original on Blu-ray or DVD. And give Disney your money that way if you really want to give them money. Fair enough. I'm going to go with the Game of Thrones prequel, which is something I have no right to dislike because it's not even out yet. But uh, I've picked it just because I guess I am underwhelmed. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't see any value in it and and all my brain does is find unreasonable reasons not to like it. The latest one I settled on was the fact that he the, the world is, is, is a western world. It's it's Renaissance or medieval Western background that you know it's clearly based on Britain in that time period. And yet this prequel is gonna originally it was to be set ten thousand years in the past. And I was thinking, all right then, so that's the Stone Age. Is that, is that really what you're going to go with? And I think they cor- quickly corrected themselves and said, oh, no, 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 it's actually only 5,000 years in the past. But you, my brain still unreasonably went to, okay, so the Bronze Age. <laughs> you know? And it, I know they're not going to do that, uh, but the, the real reason it knocked me was because they said some really promising things that based on the end of the last series just have this dread that they can only screw up so this the, the really promising things were we're going to take the stories that are the myths and legends in the main game of thrones storyline and show you what they really are acknowledging the fact that stories get corrupted and changed by the people telling them to suit the needs of the current day. So the reality of history is always completely different. And that that brutal reality of heroes actually being villains, but they're just convenient for the propaganda of the day, is a very interesting subject to me. But it does seem to come hand in hand with the idea that you have this changing history, this, well, changing culture. Do you, you get this development from Bronze Age through Iron Age through all the other parts of history that led you to the current point. That development is is an important part of why things change. And they're going to set it 5,000 years in the past in a Western culture. Well, to get that culture, it needs to have evolved from somewhere because that's how the Western setup was. It wasn't like Egypt, China, where where the culture was to try and keep things the same. That's what they that's what they endeavoured to do. So, in order to give me what they promise, I think they have to do something impossible. I think they are going to show us 5,000 years ago, people with the same castles, the same swords, the same clothing, the same weapons. They'll just be different people. And I don't know how they're going to convince me that it's 5,000 years in the past and I have reason to believe that these stories have evolved. So... It's almost exactly like the promise was for Game of Thrones, the TV series. Here's something that could be this magnificent setup with all these really interesting 
political challenges, these people striving against each other, mimicking the real history that we've all come from, but actually what it turns into is a bloody, sexy mess full of characters that did things they shouldn't have done for the needs of the plot. And I feel like, well, can I trust them? And, I, and the answer is, no, I don't feel like I can. So I'm, I'm already underwhelmed then, maybe, even if I'm not... Even if I don't have legitimate hatred, I guess I'm already underwhelmed. Surely that thing you were talking about, where legends and myths change over generations, and depending who's telling them, and depending what their agenda is, and whatever else... Um, that only makes sense if you have the context of the person telling the story uh, and then it's, okay, here's the story he's telling, here's what's really happened. So, But if if all you're seeing is kind of what's really happened, it will just be, surely it will just be a contradictory version of something you might have heard of in the other show. Well, this is the thing. If they do it right, then you will see something that is purely contradictory, but that if you went back and watched the... Game of Thrones main series again knowing it, there could be extra tragedies in there, there could be extra meaning. So where one character in the uh, Game of Thrones that we already know takes an action based on his hero making a choice and he says, I want to be like that hero. If you then go back in time and see that the hero was actually a villain, you should be able to see some interesting parallels. Obviously, it has to be played up because it's a drama. It, it can't just be random like history might seem to be after it's been Chinese whispered down through the gener- generations. So it should show you a parallel whereby if the hero had actually followed what the ancient character had really done, it might have led him to glory whereas it previous it actually led him to failure but in order to get to glory he would have had to follow somebody that he would have hated because it's not somebody he would revere anymore so these interesting parallels through seeing the contradiction should be the most amazing reveals you can possibly imagine where you're actually dazzled by the levels of of uh, multi-layered plot that's coming out where you're thinking, oh my god, that tragedy is even more tragic because the truth is X or vice versa. So the, the, the levels of detail should be amazing. But again, I don't believe that's on offer because I don't have the trust that they will have put that level of thought into these parallels, into developing a two-layered plot that spans five uh, millennia. I, so... So I think it should offer you something, but I don't believe it will. Yeah, it won't offer me anything because I haven't seen the original show, so I probably won't watch this. No, well, fair play. Yeah. Are you going to give it a go for an episode or two to see what it's like? Or? Yes, because I have to know. Um, but it it will have to get me right from the start because I, I don't want to go through the pain for, for no payoff. Fair but but, it, but I feel like I have to know. Yeah, valid. Um. Right, in my excitement to run away with things, I've got myself all out of order. But again, that's only appropriate for Legion. But nonetheless, shall we now dive into the psychedelic hell that is David's existence? Absolutely. For one Um, of the final times. (laughs) Final times. Uh, Do you, at this point then, wish to give me anything that is without spoiler? or, Or do we need to cut to the chase? I think it's more appropriate to launch into spoilers or teleport into spoilers or whatever 
method of transport you want to use because there's four episodes to cover here and it's, to, to give a spoiler free account of four episodes would be a challenge well I can't wait to hear what you choose in terms of a sound effect then to fully represent David's descent into horrific madness but I'm <laughs> sure you'll come up with something and with that now chosen, added and absorbed into our brains let's pick a topic to go with now I'm going to give you a topic to start with that is, which is dear to my heart and possibly one of the least important parts of the whole thing but that is um, dance numbers versus musical um, I'm going to widen this out to something bigger I promise you I'll do that but I need to start on that because I need to vent my frustrations there's no mm-hmm. dance numbers here what the hell am I supposed to do with that? No, not really. I mean, you do have some choreographed musical numbers, though. And something really occurred to me it was when I was watching the um, the, the most recent episode um, about an hour ago, or a couple of hours ago. Uh, it's, so whenever David is trying to express how he feels, he'll largely follow some kind of musical interlude, whether it be an instrumental or, in this case, a collection of lyrics, but all the other characters get involved. And it's almost like he can't find words to articulate himself, so he picks other people's. In this case, song. You know, because I guess that's the only way he finds it. He can outwardly express himself. Because whenever he tries to talk to someone seriously, it's all kind of muddled and confusing, but if if a song resonates with him, I suppose he can use that. And I think that's an interesting character thing, where, yeah, music is the only thing that, that allows him to... To feel, I guess. I think it's... I, I'd agree, it's definitely one of the most interesting parts of it. I think it's done because we've definitely still got a very childlike David. He never really grew up. He spent all of his time either locked in his house or in a mental hospital. And he's never really had the chance to mature. And so when he, as you say, he comes to try and express himself, he just doesn't have the words. He certainly doesn't have the emotional control to do it. And, and therefore, as you say, he picks something that resonates with him and uses that instead. And you're right, I think it's a really good indication of, of who David is. I think that's one of the things I really liked about Legion and missed from the first episode of season three is this storytelling beyond the words that are actually being spoken. I thought episode one was quite straightforward, but then when we get all the way through these, and especially up to that that last episode, episode five, that you've just talked about, you're definitely getting more of that. The weird and the wonderful comes back in, I think, around episode three. It starts to get really nuts again. But whereas you always fear with Legion, it's going to be purposeless. It's going to be weird just so you know it's weird. And there are still a few things in there that fall into that category. Nonetheless, when you you think about the music, as you say, it's got that purpose. These musical pieces are telling you who David is. And even to the extent that it's showing one of the themes of the background that he is not in isolation. Every time he does something, it affects everyone around him. So in this case, that is physically manifested in the fact that when he starts to sing, literally everybody around him is pulled into it. He alters the the world 
field in the same way. So it is thematic, it's representative. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased. Uh, I'm pleased to see that. I think I was going to extend that whole thing into the whole, the whole visual and musical atmosphere. Do you do you have moments that you've seen elsewhere in these four episodes where you've thought the same sort of thing? The the visual that the director's picked or that the musical director has picked represents something and thought that's amazing. Well, there was one that's particularly stood out to me, you know, the kind of Xavier episode. Yes. Episode three, the um setting up or David learning what happened to his real parents and why he was abandoned or brought you know, adopted by different people. And it's the it's the mirror of the pilot episode, the mirror of him meeting Sid. Yes. He uses yeah. the same song. It's shot from at least as far as I remember. I didn't go and rewatch the pilot episode to to confirm this, I'll admit, but it seems shot very similarly, you know, the um well I remember him and Sid walking around with the um was it a shoelace or or something. The between them, it, yeah. it kind of symbolise them holding hands. Yes. Or some kind of bandana, it was her bandana or something, whatever it was. Uh, they were holding something together and they were holding hands. But then you've got Xavier and Gabrielle walking around holding hands in the same way. Yeah. Um, and obviously their asylum is less colourful than David's asylum. But, um, oh, well, yeah. But it's, it's, I suppose that's to contrast it as well as compare it. And I thought that was... I mean, I, even though I didn't remember the song before going into the episode as soon as I heard the song I was like it's that song they used in the first episode and, yeah. and it's like I guess that's hats off to the production team for that for kind of turning that into a signature song without me even realising it so the show's got inside my head in the same way that David gets inside everyone else's head so well perfect. done yeah Absolutely perfect well done I mean they wanted to draw an obvious parallel there I think there's there's, there's, there's some stuff that is not so obvious and it is just thematic like the Alice in Wonderland theme that runs through which was less hidden in cases this time around it was pretty much let's have a mad hatter tea party you know that was yeah. that was fully in your face but it's still more just theme of madness it, I don't I was so desperate for Alice in Wonderland to have some some great impact or, or inspiration caught Something in this was was caused by an Alison Wonderland inspiration, but when I was looking for it in in seasons one, I wasn't really finding other than we're all mad here, and I eventually mm. had to give that up. But with the the clear parallels of Xavier and his wife, as you say, and then and then Xavier's son also meeting significant other, it was well, it was it, it was obvious. But I wondered if it was. I almost wondered if it was too obvious for Legion. Actually, did you did it great on you at all, or were you like, no, this was a really good parallel? I'm, I can understand that these people would would have suffered the same problems. I enjoyed the parallel, and I enjoyed the reason that they did it. I think I understood why it was. Yeah, you've got to connect him to his father in some way, and having them have similar experiences is a really easy way to do that. But at the same time, we didn't learn anything about David's childhood that we didn't really already know. Um, we already knew that the Shadow King tormented Xavier and therefore later tormented him um, so all you're really doing is seeing the Shadow King get inside David's head um, which we already knew and you don't really need to see it I mean there's little extra beats here and there such as uh, Xavier spelling David thinking he's some kind of malevolent yes. threat and 
there's a suggestion that David is perhaps the cause of his own madness and cause of his own situation because he tried to interfere and and was stopped. Um, yes. But he obviously he's not to know that, and he doesn't really know how time travel works. No. Um, Switch is kind of unsure herself, so it's we'll do this and try this, and yeah, it's kind of went horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, it was kind of on the nose that okay, I, I already know this stuff. Um, you need to give me something a bit extra here. I think. Um, I mean, I certainly, I certainly take a note for us to definitely discuss that sort of creating your own history. Uh, as in here, and I wondered if they were going to do more with it. They, they might have implied it, but and we might need to see more to know whether they are going to go down that route. Especially now, David's changed his mind about his strategy. Yeah, and um, if we despite see if, if Xavier comes back to interact with him in some meaningful way. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Um, despite that, though, I am actually going to say that that episode. Number three, chapter twenty-two was was probably still one of my favourite of the set, though of the of the four that we've seen, because even though it doesn't necessarily tell you anything about David, it, it did offer you that sort of it did offer you that possibility to think about: did he cr- is is this a time travel loop, and is he going to be responsible for his own destruction? Because it's very much that point where Xavier has to expel his own son without realising that then leads to the mother having the break, because it's all happening at the same time, it's all the same threat and then it's only then when he's taking care of his wife does Xavier turn his back and allow the Shadow King to get into David, because you have to assume that after that point Xavier would go into maximum lockdown. He puts his son up for adoption to try and hide him, but you've got to assume that before that, he tries a few mental telepathy defences, especially because we've seen the proto-cerebro in one of the yeah. other episodes. So he, you've got to assume he would have... Uh, yeah, sorry, in the same episode. You've, you've already seen that, so you've got to assume he would try some defences and, and fight off Farouk as he presumably succeeded doing if he if he's quoted as being able defeated him yeah. that first time. So it seems like the only point there was a weakness in Xavier's armour that allows the Shadow King in to take his revenge is created because of David's interference. So we don't yeah. learn anything about David, but we we learn about how Xavier managed to fail his son. And in this case it was with something that's actually quite understandable. You know, I, I understand why he turned his back. He thought the Shadow King was defeated. He thought he was just taking care of his wife. He was in sh- shock or he was in despair. And it, it, therefore, it seemed like there was something being offered there. And I think I, think I appreciated that, especially because it was very much a horror episode. I mean, did you, did you get that? I got, I got well, a vibe that it was a horror episode. Did you, did that? Haunted House, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I... I noticed that that's the first time I think they've offered us a different genre. Was it? I don't know if it was season one or season two. Which one of those offered us sort of a different genre every episode? Uh, it might have been one. Might have been one. There's always different stuff going on. Yeah, I, yeah. but it is, and this is the first time, isn't it, that we've really been offered a different genre within season yeah. three, I think. It's also the first time that we've ever been grounded in an actual time period because you see something that's clearly World War Two. Mm. 
I mean, it doesn't help you pinpoint when the show is set at all, but no. But it is an interest. Like it's kind of almost a tie to a real thing that happened in our world, which is, which is new, I think, certainly from memory. Yeah. Um. But but fair enough. Nice to see it. I didn't I didn't actually know again with episode one if they were going to be able to make it Legion again. Sometimes you show any show. It just has to deal with its own plot, and it loses what it had a, that was unique in order to resolve its plot. So I was very much pleased to get back into um, the uh, yeah the, the thing that made it legion in those previous series that that playing around with genres, messing with your head in more ways than one. And the Xavier one was the most straightforward episode. Well, it was actually. Yeah. It's the one where it's yeah it has a more digestible structure I guess than some of the other ones and I often find myself gravitating to those episodes when Legion does them for some reason oh, right, okay. just, I don't, maybe it is just because it's okay I can understand the A, B and C of this rather than the okay we've got A now, now we've got D later and we're yeah. going back to C and now we're B and now here's E for some reason and yes. it's just this jumble um, that doesn't always make sense by the end but in that one it was like okay here's a story of a man who meets a woman, has a child um, makes a mistake that has that child essentially cursed, and then the rest is history, I guess. Maybe it's refreshing because it just lets your mind down for a bit. It just gives you a bit of time off to breathe. Uh, but I have to say, I do, even though that's my potential favourite episode from this series so far, it doesn't contain my favourite moments. Yeah. Because the other the other episodes had things in that I personally like to see that I think we'll, that we'll, we'll definitely touch on. But just to say, I I actually do prefer to go into the depths of chaos when I'm watching Legion mm-hmm. and try and fight my way out. That's actually part of the fun of this show for me. Um, do you find that too much of a mind bender then? I mean, I enjoy it. I think it's, um, I think it's good fun to, to just have this lunacy play out. And mm-hmm. um, I think we we discussed it at length last season. And Chris kind of hit the nail on the head when it may have been Chris, maybe you, maybe me. I don't know. But there's a plug in the middle of the desert. Why? And you know, oh, you yeah. have that extreme where it's why the hell is this here? Yeah, that's not. What nonsense. purpose does this serve? It's rubbish. Yeah. Why are they driving around a hot dog submarine car? Yes, it makes no sense. Um, that. That's like near here, nor there. But when you have things like, I don't know, Patonomy is now an android that controls other androids and makes dial tones when he answers the phone. And, <laughs> you know, that's like, well, that's just a really weird way of doing something that we've seen before. But it, it kind of enhances how completely non human he is. And it's kind of funny at the same time. Sure. Uh, so that whenever they do stuff like that, and it's like, oh, I see exactly why you've done that. And here's an interesting riff on something that we see all the time in something like this. Um, by something like this, I mean superhero or yeah, just an action drama or whatever. You know, it's we we see these kinds of plots crop up all the time, but their riff on it is often very unique. Well, I think that's one of the things I was trying to get to actually when I was thinking about the the visual and the musical atmospheres that they're creating here I'd put Tonomy in with that because I don't know that Tonomy has a great use yet in terms of the foreground plot but what he is being used with is with the with the visuals and what he's saying is exactly what you've said 
he is there to disturb you. You might have liked this character, and now you think that the situation he's been left in, where he's almost lobotomized and turned into a telephone, as he's saying, is is upsetting. Or you might not necessarily care much about the character, but you're still going to look at a human being behaving like a a machine. Like, in fact, like the old seventies. Films that we used to watch—that was their form of sci-fi horror, where the the, the I think it's in one. Is it one of the Superman films where a human being goes into a into a into Lex Luthor's cupboard and comes out turned into an android? Am I getting that right? It, well, it's kind of Superman three, the um, the Richard Pryor one. Yeah, it's not quite what happens, but it's a, yeah, it's along those lines. But it has that sort of horror element, isn't it? You would not want this to happen to you. Yeah. Um, and it's like the loss of self, which is yeah. quite prevalent in this show as well. Yeah. Because um, you have a lot of memories being removed or altered or people being fooled in some way through illusion. And, yes. Um, we had an entire season about delusion last, you know, last yes. year. So it's, yeah, that Petonomy is like the personification of the loss of self. He has no self anymore. It's all gone. Yeah. Unless there is something still in there, but I've seen no real evidence of that. Well, we might come back to that, actually, because I've got a little section that I've called Robots versus Humans coming up. So maybe maybe keep that thought in your head somewhere, stash it in some dimension and and bring it back out. Um, Put it in my ice palace. Quite. Before I left alone, the visuals and the musicals, though, there's a few things that I picked out. Um, Alice in Wonderland, of course, we've already talked about. There was one other one that I noticed. I'm thinking, did this add something in? A theme, a motif, or other meaning? Or was it just there for fun? And I'm just going to scroll through my notes and see if I can figure out which one it was. It was episode 2, chapter 21. It has two Charlie Brown songs in it. Um, Yeah, I noted them, but I didn't have any insightful thoughts about them. It's just an interesting choice, I suppose. I wonder if it's a, perhaps a reference to... Well, it's, I mean, it's the... It immediately brings to mind that childlike innocence. Yes. Which is something that David has lost and... think Or has lost and kind of craves. Uh, but he is still... I mean, he's still a child. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. He is still a child. He has not grown up. And arguably... You wouldn't blame him for that because he's not been allowed to grow up and then the circumstances got himself in. You could actually see this as if it wasn't quite so brutal, an 80s coming-of-age film where a kid is innocent, gets suddenly involved in an adult world, does something horribly wrong, like crashes the stock market, but then, of course, magically in the final act of the film, learns how to manipulate the stock market and puts the Western world back together again. So it's... It, it's almost following that. I say eighties because that's my connection. I mean, I know this is the possibly got a Legion's probably got a better connection to seventies, but my knowledge of seventies films isn't quite so good. But nonetheless, it's you know it's that childlike force that he still is. So maybe that's it. Maybe you're right. It is. It's there because Charlie Brown and of course the gang are all kids. I, I kind of wanted it to be more than that because you know. Um, you know the symbol on Charlie Brown's shirt is is supposed to be one of the signs of old psychological testing. Yeah, it's um, it's I think it's the one that represents indecision 
to the extent that it's crippling you. And Charlie Brown, of course, was somebody who was never able to really gain control of anything. And part of me was thinking, all right, so there's, there's just a parallel to Charlie Brown then, is it? Are they just saying that David is a child who can simply not gain control of the world he's in? And, and especially because Charlie Brown was, what, supposed to think he was about like five, at most eight? You know, these were, these were young kids, I'm yeah. sure, in, in Peanuts. But when they actually talked about the psychological effects of the universe on their childish lives, of course they were adults. And so I'm, I'm trying to build a connection through what I'm saying there, that David and Charlie Brown are somehow parallels, but I feel like I can't quite argue it. I don't know if you could take anything I've said there and make it better, but maybe not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure it was a deliberate thing um, to, to make that connection, although the, the musical choices must be fairly deliberate, I think. Yeah. In some cases, I just don't know the song at all, so like, why would you choose that? What does that song actually mean? But um, So the, the Charlie Brown stuff, I mean, well, Charlie Brown doesn't understand the world he lives in. No. Not really. Um, because he of course he doesn't. He's a kid. Like he's at school. You know, the in the Charlie Brown stuff I've seen, all the adults they don't speak and they don't talk in words because you know it's that incomprehensible noise because that's kind of kids not listening to their their elders, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of that with David. I mean, they never do as much as having the the words not be heard by him, but it's he's ignoring them most of the time. And um, there's a lot over the past few episodes about. Um, so he's the, the kind of best example of a villain, as in he doesn't think he's a villain. Yes. He sees himself as a good person, and he thinks that if someone just loves him, he will he'll be fine. But the things he does to get that love from people are horrible. Yes. Because he doesn't... And, and he thinks he can just wave a magic wand by going back in time and making sure they never happened, and that'll fix everything. But it won't, because... He still did them. Yeah. Whether anybody remembers it or not. And that's a very childish thing to want, to want to simply change the way it is. Um, well, I think I might, uh, it might be the right time, actually, to delve into that a bit further then, because I've, I actually found that to be one of the most interesting things of this series so far, is, is David as a villain versus Farouk, the Shadow King, as a villain versus Division 3 also. It is Division 3, isn't it? The other right? Division something, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Division 3. As them, as a villain, all three of them are presented here at some point, even if not necessarily so specifically in Season 3. If we take Legion as a whole, all three of those are the villain. And I, I think there's an argument to say, obviously, that Shadow King is still a villain, but also that Division 3 is still villainous in behaviour and intent. But they're all completely different types. And I, I'm wondering, do you, do you think they've done an exploration there into the different types of villainy? Or is it like the Charlie Brown thing where I'm looking for something deeper than needs to be uh, and I should just shut up and enjoy it? So David's a villain who thinks he's not a villain. Yep. That's pretty well laid out. I think the Shadow King is, I would say he's more chaotic neutral than being a villain. He just doesn't care. Ooh, D and D reference. Um, yeah, um, I suppose. I mean, I, I, I've heard it in other contexts. I've never played D and D, but yeah. Fair enough. Um, he because um, he's very self-serving, so he just yes, doesn't he care is. what gets in the way of him achieving his own goals. So, 
I wouldn't say he's a villain as such because he can flip back and forth quite easily. It just depends if your goal aligns with him at that time, whether he's going to be your enemy or not. And even then, he's working with people who were his enemies before because, again, he doesn't care. It suits his purposes right now. Yeah. Um, Division, whatever, let's say three, they're not... I think they're more concerned with control, um, which is probably a reference to the the state of the political climate at the moment, you know, with the governments of the world trying to control everything and everyone. Uh, so they're... Their tactic for dealing with David is we need to capture him and and whatever else, um, bring him bring him in, bring him to our justice, and it's um, so that's my take on it. That's what I think those three things represent in effect. But it's interesting now. There's no clear hero in all of this. Well, quite. I think that's actually the a, a natural extension from this. We're getting a definite investigation into well I, I think we're getting a definite investigation into villainy here and because of that there's not there's no room for a villain but it, it's almost like you don't need one because you're being offered three different perspectives and normally when of course when you've got the the hero you are siding with the hero against the villain you're still understanding a perspective getting on board with it choosing that side and then you are yeah we're totally against the other side it's them we hate them they're awful they they are the villain to us yeah but i think we're being offered the same choice here where you can take david i'll go he's he's a villain but he's a he's tragic as you say he doesn't believe he's the villain and because he's a child i don't i don't for a second say it excuses his actions because once you're an adult you have to take control and be responsible for your actions. But equally, you can say, to a certain extent, society does create its villains. And I think I'll put him into that group. He is he is the tragic villain. Farouk, I'm still happy he's the villain. He's, you say he's self-serving, but to me that is an evil if it's all-consuming. If he has no interest in other anything other than needs and desires, then he will, by definition pay no attention to other people as he pursues them. And he's quite happy to kill. He's quite happy to do what he wants. He's quite happy to yeah. manipulate Division 3, Sid, and everybody around him to get what he wants. And then Division 3, especially with a hippie background, where this state, which is a conservative state, and I think we can assume that it's a conservative state, is definitely anti Hippie. If we're asked to present, if we're asked, if we're going to assume we are in the seventies here, then you've got this very oppressive state. It's making choices. It's deciding who lives and who dies. It puts the rules in place. And even if it says it's for the benefit of the civil, the, the civil civilians that live here, we have to make the hard decisions that that nobody else wants to make. It's just, it is an excuse. It's an excuse to carry out evil acts even if you say it's for the good of something else it is just an excuse you are you are still killing people you are still putting people in prison you are still doing things without consent which is of course a direct parallel to david so i'm i'm happy that all three of these are villains but with different perspectives and different reasons as to why they've excused themselves as to why they're allowed to do what they want, and I think I think we are being asked to to sort of pick a side. Yeah. Which you know, which do you think is more? Um, which do you think is more 
oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you side with them? Sympathetic. Um, do you do you find any of the three of them more sympathetic in even in terms of need, if not pure idealistic thought? Kind of, I mean, it's kind of the um, it, you you mentioned the sort of anti hippie thing with D three. It's the uh, mm. you know David's cult is pretty much the cliche imagery of hippies, isn't it? You know, it's just yeah, yeah. Everyone's all essentially baked all the time, and they're wearing colourful clothes, and yeah. they're all talking about free love and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I side with any of them in particular. I mean, I, I do I do feel sorry for David quite a lot because I think that you get enough introspection into why he's like that and there's the suggestion that with a few changes he might have turned out very, very differently. You know, the, yeah. I mean, I like this version of Xavier a lot, actually, and I feel like if he'd raised David, yes, it, things would have been a lot different because he would have been a more um, stabilising influence. And he would have helped him understand his powers and things like that. Because yes. they, they had reference to the Xavier and um, Gabrielle were both worried that David would turn out like them. Uh, yes. And essentially he's turned out like both of them. So both their fears came true. You know, he, yeah. he's got Xavier's power and he has her mental instability. So yes. Yeah, so he's got, he's got no counter for that. Um, Farouk can't be sympathetic for, to Farouk. He's just, yeah, he's... He finds himself scores above everyone else. And, you know, I noted down a quote from the most recent episode where he's talking to David and he says, he calls him a sweet boy undone by revenge. It breaks my heart. Yes. And then seconds later, he says, take what you want. Gods make rules. Yes. And that's just, it sums up Farouk in two sentences perfectly. It's the, it's just that that's how he sees himself and that's how he sees David. And that's, and by consequence, he just doesn't care about anyone else. You know, no. it's, there's not going to be, there's not going to be any, uh, any cooperation after he gets what he wants because, he doesn't need to do that, and I'm never going to side with a totalitarian organisation. No, <laughs> that's just never going to happen. So, um, I'm not sure where they're going to go with all that and who will be left standing when the dust settles. Um, but I hope it's not D three. Um. And it'll be interesting to see where David ends up. I mean, you don't really have heroes, but you do have victims. Yes. So Sid is definitely a victim. And Lenny, surprisingly, recently. Well, I definitely got stuff to say about Lenny in this. Um, and definitely Sid. I'm going to bring you back to Sid in a minute, because I've got something... One of the most interesting things about this whole four set of episodes is is Sid and Farouk. So that is coming... At high speed, but just before just before we leave this triple villain explanation um, or expedition, I don't know what words I'm after. My brain is definitely in a mess. By the way, I can't can't really speak. But I was thinking that David obviously tragic, and you have expressed his tragedy, especially with his parents, very well there. So that's nicely covered. I think sympathetic there might be the wrong word that. And I should have gone for something else. I reckon you could side with Division 3 because we have to make the decisions that nobody else can make. You know, David is going to end the world. They have to do what they're going to do because they don't. Everybody dies. And apparently Fruit doesn't seem to care. He's got his own plan. But I do trust, actually, with Legion that he's got his own plan and he thinks he can carry it out. Even if he's wrong, I trust the writers of Legion given that they've given us an intelligent fruit, that he's got an idea of, of how he's, he's going against, to get control. He's against David because he lives in the world and doesn't want it to end. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Farouk, 
in this is I'm going to try and link this to Sid. So we'll see how clever I think I am and how clever I really am when I completely fail to do this. But so Farouk, I reckon, is the uh, is one of those characters that people talk about when they're talking about kids. I remember hearing somebody talking about films once, and they said, "Doesn't matter how great your hero is, there's always going to be." A certain group, if not a large group of young kids who will want to be the bad guy. You know, you can make Luke Skywalker as amazing as you want, but there are always going to be a bunch of kids who get a dustbin, put it over their head and pretend to be Darth Vader. It's just the way human beings are. You know, they it's cool to be the bad guy. And whereas Legion is offering us this, I think science fiction style plot whereby we're being asked to consider ethics and morality and and the various plot decisions that people have to make i do think they've done quite well to offer this fun uh, i guess i'll say veneer that sits over the top where you've got the cool stuff and it's the cool stuff that distracts you when Kerry gets out large weapons that are twice as big as she is and starts swinging around with perfect efficiency, you're left thinking, it's cool. And when Carrie builds this big mad science piece of kit, you think, yeah, that's pretty cool too. So it kind of leads you into not thinking about it too carefully as well. I think you bounce back and forwards, especially because Legion's very confusing. It's attempting to lead you down a maze. So I do think there's... There's definitely a cool element to Farouk. Navid Negaban is amazing at that. When you look, when he walks onto the screen, he just walks through a door. And you're like, yep, something's going to happen here. This will be good. Watch. You know, I think he, yeah. I think he's got that presence. He draws you. To, I mean, he comes in with his sunglasses. You know, he's on a zeppelin. There's no sun anywhere, <laughs> but he's the sort of person that comes in with his sunglasses and. If, if if smoking was still cool, he would definitely have a cigarette. You know, I mean, he's, mm. he's got that 1940s appeal. He, he's straight out of Casablanca almost, especially because they've got that Moroccan connection. And, so and I, the suit as well. And the suit. Well-dressed. Absolutely. Yeah. So even though you wouldn't ever side with him, I think they've done a good job to make him... Witty, funny, amusing. So you like seeing him on screen. You're not going to think, you're not necessarily going to side with him ethically, but you think, oh, yeah, he's, he is cooler, isn't he? You know, Division 3's got that, yeah, but they are making these tricky decisions and somebody's got to stop David. So I think they are presenting you again with this, these options that if you were in that Zeppelin, you'd have to make some serious choices. Um, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I would never think you were. used for it as well. You know, no. It turns, up, it turns up, makes his point, and then leaves. Yeah, and that's what's kind of more effective about him as well. Mm. Definitely. So even though he's got that yeah cool thing that, di- that distracts you away from making your choices, of course, then he is a serious part setting up the brutal ideological failings where people can almost ruin themselves. And it's all, it, the whole thing is kind of expressed maybe through his character in that way because he's the one out there who almost set this into motion. So I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere clever. You can see him stumbling. You can hear him stumbling. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to carry on because I want to bring Sid back in. With the whole Sid being abused plot line bouncing around the internet, I've got to ask you, do you 
find that this setup they've got where where David has done something where he didn't get consent to be something that Legion has a handled well enough that it's actually worthy of being in the plot and b because we're in the kind of setup we're in are you okay with me asking you a question that delves into episode 24's spin on that so they're they're definitely setting up the whole question of can David be forgiven for doing this mm-hmm. can Sid forgive him because mm-hmm. it is complicated because she still has as many abused spouses certainly in fiction do still can't ditch the feelings for him yeah. you know, the, she knows that David is terrible for her but still can't kind of stay away and is still affected by that. Okay. Uh, I find her conversation with her younger self, it almost I'm not sure whether Sid was missing the point or whether the script was missing the point. But they referenced the, the thing that we heard about a couple of seasons ago where Sid inhabited her mother mm-hmm. in the shower part. And she doesn't seem to understand, or the writer doesn't seem to understand, that that she's the abuser in that scenario. You know, she's doing this thing against other people's consent um, and kind of feeling bad about it on herself or feeling that it's kind of the catalyst for who she is. But, you know, there's there's something that just doesn't sit right with me about her point of view on that. And it's hard to tell whether Sid thinks that or it's the writer's interpretation of that moment that, that that's colouring it. Now, that's very interesting. You've actually taken me all the way back around to where I was trying to get to from a different angle that I'd not considered before. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Legion. So, <laughs> this is one of the reasons I'm here. Um, I, did, I, I, at the moment, honestly believe that all this chat on the internet that says Legion is walking backwards into something it doesn't understand is just self-righteous people making sure everybody knows how cool they are and how pro-women they are. And I think they're missing a point here, because I think Legion has earned some trust and we should we should let it play out. So the, um, I would have voted for Obama for a third term, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Know, kind of overcompensation in, in a lot of cases. Um, everything you saw the white characters in Get Out saying is, is, is pretty much playing out into into the same sort of thing here. Uh, on, on the internet. I'm, I'm pretty concerned about that. And ladies and gentlemen, I've just insulted a bunch of people on the internet. I would definitely not be giving out my address, obviously. And if, I'm, <laughs> if I've insulted one of you as well, then I assume you're no longer listening to me. So here we go. Right. Let's, let's, let's carry on there into this potential pit of hell. But I, th- I think you're raising an important. I think the, the writers of Legion have done this on purpose. What you've just said... What you've just described, I honestly believe, has been done on purpose, and it's, in the last three episodes, a potential mirror that's going to be put up against Sid for her to look into and be either horrified or stunned or confused or actually go more into an anger response with... It's, it's waiting to go. So you, you've got this fear that perhaps it's not been considered. I think it's actually there on purpose, and it's coming. It's coming hard and 
fast and it's in the shadows and it's going to slap Sid in the face when she doesn't want to deal with it and when the audience isn't expecting it. And I'll throw one more reason in there to, to sort of try and prove that point. So when I, when I describe this, though, I definitely want to say that I'm pretty sure, and I hope you, whoever's listening to this accepts this, that when um, Craig and I are making these arguments, neither of us believes that what David did is excusable. So we're definitely not trying to say that, oh, we're going to excuse David. I'm not trying to say that he was created as a villain, therefore he was not responsible for what he did to Sid. Actually, I believe the opposite. I think I've said that already on the podcast. I believe society created him, but nonetheless, it was David's choice. So he is still responsible, and he still did the wrong thing. But that being said, that doesn't mean that nobody else in the whole of Legion is immune from making mistakes, doing things wrong, and of course, just being human. And I think, so, this character, the discussion between Sid and Farouk perfectly gives us that. I think the original discussion was in episode three or four when they have a little heart-to-heart about how they're going to get control of David. But then it comes to fruition in episode five where Sid actually has to go through with it. She has to make a choice. So the original choice is given to her by Farouk. How far are you prepared to go? Yeah. You can't beat David by shotgun. It's not going to work because he's got time travel, if nothing else. But also, by the way, he's God. So, yeah, you lose. Yeah. But he can Trojan be... Horse. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he can be beaten by the Trojan horse. He can be beaten by your ability to manipulate him. Are you prepared to do that? And of course, Sid says no, because if you're being a good human being, you do want to not go down that route. And that, that's a perfectly reasonable reaction. But then in episode five, she makes the choice and she does actually choose to first of all um I, I will say seduce it's not obviously it's not sexual seduction but it is still a seduction and she does therefore lie to him and when we get to the final moment she of course switches places with him without his consent now again i must emphasize i'm not trying to say that what she did is exactly the same as the consent that is not being asked for when it comes to a sexual relationship. I'm not equating these two things, but what I do find interesting is that even though in magnitude they are different, they are nonetheless human choices in the same direction. I am prepared to compromise my ideals. I am prepared to actually make a choice that removes consent from somebody else because I personally believe that it is actually benefiting some greater good. So in potentially two circumstances then, the one you've raised and the one I've raised, Sid has also done something that did not get consent from the person that she has made a, you know, made a choice on behalf of. And because of that, I honestly believe that Sid is going to have to face that choice herself. She's not going to be said, oh, I'm as bad as David. Of course, of course it's not going to be as necessarily as bad as that, although I guess that guy must have gone to jail for being a paedophile. So yeah. I guess that is pretty bad. But either way, they're offering you this. I mean, do you reckon you've seen other things like that then where other characters, not even necessarily just Sid, but maybe Sid has 
have actually done something that bypasses consent? Or do you reckon I'm actually making this stuff up? Um, so I can only really think on, in terms of Sid because her body switching is a very specific power that mm. you know that, that almost embodies the um, the the loss of consent. Yeah, like she's taking, she's literally taking everything they can do away from them. Yes, and she's trapping them in a in a situation where they're unable to do anything about it. I mean, I suppose anybody in her body can just touch the their own body and just come back, but maybe they don't know that, or maybe it's shocking, and you know, it's. I mean, in terms of taking David out of his body, that's that that's a significant loss for him because of all the power he commands, and it's and it's actually quite simple to defeat him in that sense. You know, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to get rid of David for good, you just switch bodies with Sid and then kill the Sid body, and then yeah. end of problem. And then you just have to count on Sid to be able to use David's powers wisely, or kill herself, or something. You know, something like that. Just yeah. something that takes that potential away, or they lock him in a cell somewhere, and that's the end of it. And um, who knows? I mean, it's. I mean, I suppose there's there's a degree of consent or lack thereof in the Carrie Carey relationship because they are sharing a body, and you had that bit where Carrie was like brushing her hair and stuff like that, you know, where he was in the um, in the driver's seat of her, mm. which was unusual. Um, so I don't know if that violates Carrie in any way. I mean, he wasn't really doing anything. No, maybe maybe that's a bit more innocent than. Yeah, it could be. I'd certainly put in though Division Three, a part of this uh, argument, because by definition, governments take away consent when they say we are taking this action to pre- preserve the masses. Any time where you say we are going to kill somebody or imprison somebody without due cause without following the lines of justice it, it, it's, it's along the lane, same lines you're actually doing harm without without consent there you are making choices you are doing things in the name of somebody else because you think it's right you've not done a full-on democracy yeah. poll and said right what, what do we all think here what are we going to do oh, no i'm going to kill in your name it's for your own good, so you just shut up and get around there. So yeah. I, I think maybe the, the whole consent angle is a theme of Legion. And maybe maybe we can't necessarily find too many individual moments there. But I, I think we're being presented it with a, th- a theme of the whole series. I suppose Frank's always at it as well. Well, he is actually, yeah, to be yeah. fair. yeah, Because yeah, he's beaten it out of people's heads over the years and... Um, manipulating people into doing things, fooling people into doing things. I yes. mean, arguably, what Sid has to do to David isn't her idea. Uh, Possibly, she, she chooses to do it, but the idea is planted in her head by Farouk. She would never Maybe. have thought about it on her own. Possibly, true. So that's that, I mean, that's a potential other angle when it comes to that. Well, yeah, they could totally do that. Um, what I'll well, I think I'm still, at the moment though, I'm still happy that Legion is investigating the idea of consent responsibly by presenting us with characters making choices 
and characters can make the wrong choice. That is, of mm-hmm. course, conflict, and that's, that's fair game. So I, I think I trust them in terms of where they might be going with this. And we'll discuss how successful they were next time when well, it's over, and yeah. there's no potential to revisit any of these ideas, so it depends if, if they conclude that in some way with a realisation on Sid's part. I mean, that's yeah. why I said I'm not sure if it's her not understanding or the writer not understanding. Yeah, fair enough. Because it doesn't give you that conclusion. No. And it's the kind of... There's a naivety to that conversation. Yeah. Um, where she thinks that... Um, where she thinks that her younger self is going to turn out like her because of this one specific event. and Sure. And, and kind of pities her for knowing what's coming, but... You, you know, you have all that, oh, will it not happen now that we're having this conversation? And then and they have the suggestion about, why don't we switch bodies? That'll be fun. Yes. Um, which is, yeah, your older self and your younger self's body. And I suppose there's the potential for it to go back and make different choices in that younger body. Uh, that could happen. Um, I, th- I, I guess they could go down that route. I think and they've only got three episodes left. That would be far too complicated. But you never know. They might do one crazy big episode where everybody messes with it. Well, since uh, they don't have to worry about normal structure, they just throw these things in and, you know, they, without actually establishing anything. And it's just, yeah, this is what she's doing now. So it could happen. Well, seeing as you've gone on to that, then, that does actually link to, to the next little heading quite nicely. And maybe you've done that on purpose, and I should give you full credit for that. But Let's assume well, then, I did. Let's assume you did. Yeah, fair enough. And you can always time-eat this bit away so nobody knows otherwise, which is... <laughs> Which is, which is the idea of time travel. I, they've got three episodes left. I'm not sure they've got enough time to let everybody mess with, with time, but they could. But what's your feeling on how they've handled time travel in, in terms of either the, the, the demons, the, the atmospheric effects when you've got the, the skipping of the camera or, or anything? I quite like it, actually. I think um, Switch is an interesting character because she has no idea what's going on yeah. at any given point. She just ends up in places and wonders how she got there and doesn't know who's telling the truth. You know, she doesn't she doesn't know who to side with. Um, is David as altruistic as he thinks he is? I mean, she does say that she believes that he's a good person. She's had limited interaction with him. And I'm still not sure if David's a good person deep down or not. So they're doing a good job keeping that and mm. um, keeping that off to the side for now. Uh, but yeah, the... The consequences being physical, so she loses teeth. Yes. And her teeth loosen the further back she goes and things like that. That's, that's an easy way of saying time travel has consequences. And ha- making them have consequences for the time traveller herself is, is, is a good, easy way of linking to that. Yeah. It's a clever shortcut. You know, you want to see how this time travel has affected the universe around it? Just look at this. Here's my tooth. Anyway, right. it's, not, it's not the coming back to the present day and the, the Twin Pines Mall is now called the Lone Pine Mall or whatever. You know, it's it's that kind of grounded yes. in character thing. I mean, as fun as that is in Back to the Future, I'm not yeah. I'm not going to say that Back to the Future is bad because I love it, but it's yeah. a different way of kind of doing the same thing as far as I see. Um, the Time Eaters, they're certainly a lot better than the Time Wraiths over in the DC TV universe. Okay. Uh, they're much creepier for a start. Yes. And a... And I like how they, they built them, and I like the repeating uh, scenes. I like the missing time, so people miss chunks of a conversation. I like yeah. that. And, yeah, they just they just look unsettling. 
also like that Fruk is the only one that kills one. Yes. Because, of course, he is. You know, if anyone's going to... He just storms in, brings out a cartoon sword and cuts yeah. it in half. <laughs> yes. Job done. Right. Um, and the, the way they did it with um, eating Lenny's child's entire life, basically, that was that was quite a quite a harrowing thing. So Lenny's standing there in this room watching this this baby she has just grow up and she gets a kind of taste of some of the milestones that ends in her death and she hasn't experienced any of it. And it's a good way of fleshing Lenny out and making her her own person without doing an awful lot because it gives you this tragic aspect to her. And again, it ties into this whole consent thing. David says, do you want to not have that memory? And she's like, well, no. No, I want to remember this pain. And so, I mean, that's it's not really a factor in the time travel, but I, I like how they're doing it. And it's simplified in terms of here's the corridor. And, and it, almost every episode, Switch learns something else about her power, which is good because she just learned that she has it, really. So it's, it's a learning curve for her. So I'm going to agree with almost everything you've said there in terms of how they've done time travel in the direction I do actually like everything you've just described on how it's visually presented and I definitely think it's creepy and the bit you've described with Farouk and the sword is makes it very legion so they have definitely owned time travel given how popular time travel is that's actually really difficult I, I think as well to make it your own and we didn't discuss time travel in that time travel podcast we may or may not have done yet well quite <laughs> that's also quite legion um so I, I i'm definitely going to agree with all of that i'm not convinced i can even say anything better to uh, to to add to it but what i did have trouble with though despite that is um I don't honestly believe enough happened to Lenny to give her an emotional connection to that. She saw a baby, she saw a young woman, she saw an adult woman, and she saw an old woman. And I don't know that I've seen enough of Lenny to say that an emotional connection is possible. I would say a human being is more likely to just be really confused by that. Because this whole idea that you can say, there is a baby in my life... I now love children and understand everything about children and love everything children and I'm I'm completely changed. And unless you've been a mother and a father, you couldn't possibly understand the depths of my emotion. I actually found it slightly cheap for that reason because I honestly believe when presented with emotions that severe in such a short space of time, you don't process it that well. You don't understand the loss. I think you, you just get hit so hard that you haven't got a freaking clue what just happened to you, and you come away stunned. So I thought it was actually too short. I think intellectually it made sense, but I didn't feel it. And that that was a shame for me, because everything else that I've picked up out of Legion, it was, I got the feeling for it. And I think if I'd have seen Lenny's new romantic partner more often if I'd have seen more development between them, if I'd somehow observed Lenny developing a growing connection to this baby growing inside somebody that she'd come to really care for, then I could be on board with that. But it was more, Lenny is involved with a woman. Lenny is involved with a woman that has a baby. 
Lenny now understands everything to do with babies, love, emotion, and everything from her past that she didn't really get before. And it was, oh no, you, you've just written that on some cards and asked me to read them rather than really showing me any development from Lenny. I'm asked to just believe that, not see it. And, I, and there's a real problem here, I think, with, with characters that are being used and well and not well. And I feel like I want to bring that into this discussion because it, it's going to be a key part of it. I, I think Lenny's not been used. I don't think she could be used. I think Ptolemy's not been used well. Because even though you've said everything, with, what they've done with Ptolemy, I, it, it doesn't really give me any development for him. He's just a plot device. And, and Lenny's a plot device for David to see something that he doesn't like. And, and on the time travel bit as well, I can sort of believe that Division 3 are big enough to have a time travel problem panic reaction code that they can refer to and yes we've actually put uh, precautions in place should somebody ever mess with time and start eating it yeah we are prepared to that level i can kind of buy that but then when the that not referenced at one point it's the you must have a plan for this and no one really answers but it but it 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 is just a throwaway comment that just links into this because the plot needs it to they don't build it they don't show people developing lots of things over lots of spaces of time to account for every possible solution it's just given to you again on a bit of card for you to read almost and and you're asked to accept it the reason this stuff really bothered me in that episode is when Carrie uses that plot device combined with a very very convenient eating of time that allowed him to immediately get to the Zeppelin Mm. and I'm thinking I'm okay that the time eaters are eating time at random, but the idea that is, and so I'm immediately on the Zeppelin. It's too convenient. It's not clever enough. I like Legion because it's clever, but but Ptolemy is is just a robot because it's creepy. And I think that's a shame because he could have been more. Carrie immediately teleported onto the Zeppelin because the plot needed him to be there because showing him in an airplane or something flying up to the Zeppelin would have been pointless and boring, but couldn't you have done something cleverer? And Lenny immediately connecting to a baby because people like babies. Again, it's it, it's not clever. It was too quick. It wasn't... None of these things were earned, I don't think. They just had to be what they needed to be. So for me, those were actually the weakest parts of these episodes that we've seen. I'm only glad that uh, Melanie isn't in it, simply because there's no space for the characters we've got, Mm. let alone uh, adding in some of these extra tertiary characters. And in proof of that, it's taken actually all the way to episode five for Sid to really be meaningful in this plot. She actually spent, I think, the first three episodes without meaning. And I did say it would take time because there's a lot of characters. We spoke about that in the first episode. But but if it takes five episodes to really get someone as central to the plot as Sid into the main, into the limelight, you're almost better off not having Lenny, not having Ptolemy, because, because I really don't think they were... They've been they've been used well at all. I mean, now go tell me how wrong I am and and how you've really loved all of these things. You like so, Lenny, but what about the other ones? So I'm not I'm not going to say you're wrong, but uh, on the Lenny thing, 
So you saw it as the kind of immediate connection. I saw it as the lack of connection was what bothered her the most. So she saw this life play out in, well, in, in snippets in front of her, but she missed most of it. And then she had this whole thing at the end where her, like the daughter on her deathbed was saying, you know, thanks for being there for me or whatever. And, and Lenny has no emotional connection to that whatsoever because it hasn't happened for her. She just mm. stood in a room for a minute and watched all this play out before her eyes and has no idea what her life is like. And weirdly, I'm reminded of that Adam Sandler film. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where I'd reference an Adam Sandler film. Okay, I have seen this one, Click. The premise is he gets a remote control and he's able to do things, you know, to speed up his life and whatever. Sure. Um, so he speeds through the boring parts. But it turns out speeding through the boring parts means he misses his children growing up and all right. that stuff. You know, it's, it's a tale about relishes every second of your life because yeah. it flies past in, in an instant, that kind of stuff. It's not a complicated message. No. Um, but this is almost the the opposite of that because she has no chance to, or she has no time to savour any moment because they're all fleeting and all flying past her. Uh, I don't know how that will inform her in coming episodes, if it will at all, but it was just an interesting new thing for Lenny that we'd not really seen before. Uh, and Aubrey Plaza can seem to turn her attention to anything and make sure. it kind of work. Oh, yeah. Um, she's that good. Uh, autonomy, yeah. I mean, he's he's a function of the plot at the moment. He's He has no character. He's away from whatever he was. He's not himself anymore. I mean, he is the representation of Division 3, I guess. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he's the one that makes it all happen and whatever else. And, yeah, there are some questions lingering about the... What happens if the time eaters decide to eat like our whole lives and then we can't stop them because we never ever existed? And it's like, well, yeah, what if they did that? Why aren't they doing that? Uh, it's maybe because they're forces of nature and they only eat whatever they have to, or they only retaliate when you annoy them. I mean, um, who knows? But you, you had that image of David trying to cross the room to fight them and kept getting sent back, which yes. is quite funny. But, and that just kind of shows you how casually they. I suppose that's a defence mechanism for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're only eating that time because that's the time that's a threat to them. The rest of the time, they just pick away at things that don't really matter. So it's things like, yeah, I'm on the bus. Don't even remember that. It's a bus journey, uh, something like that. I don't know. It's almost like a Doctor Who villain when you think about it. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, the time eaters. Um, they can't do it in Doctor Who now because they've done it here. Ha. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Noah Hawley goes and does Doctor Who one day, which I'd be here for. It has to be. Yeah. Seen. It would actually. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think you're right about autonomy, but um, certainly I, I looked at the Lenny thing differently to you did. What how you did? Um, and that's that is going to be one of the beauties of Legion, actually. So, so to come to come back to, I hate and I hate having a, a negative note hang in the air because when I say something, I think, oh, I don't like. I feel like it's it, it almost comes across as the only thing I've said, and I know it isn't, but to to sort of cleanse that palate. One of the things I do love about Legion is that it is giving you these discussion points, which is something I feel like I don't get from the other super shows. Not that that makes them awful, but it but it is something I'm looking for. And in fact, one of the reasons I quite like the podcast like this is because you can actually get somebody else's perspective on it and think, oh, that is interesting. I didn't consider that. And in fact, 
I, I, I'm actually going to go back and watch that episode and see if I can see what you've just described in, or just that scene. Yeah. In just yeah, I'll just watch that. I'll just watch that that parts of it and see if I can see it because what you've just said makes a hell of a lot of sense, and I could see that being something that awakens someone's thought processes. It's not that she, you know, she said it's not that she necessarily felt those things. It's just that she maybe she realised that she should have done, or it awakens this intelligence that goes back and analyses it. So, I quite like that actually. I'm I'm, I'm going to take that on board and go and go and watch it again. Yeah. Which is also a good thing, you know, if a, if a show's got something that makes you think that you can get more out of it on a second viewing, I think it's really past a a grade. Uh, so. So I'm quite pleased to hear that. I'm going to say thank you for that insight. There oh, we go. Something useful happened. Ta-da. Right. Um, I, I'll take Ptolemy back there. I, did, I don't know if I said I'd come back to this or if I just thought it, but it seems we've brought Ptolemy up and we've we've mentioned him in the previous context of epitomising the loss of self. I really found that to be an interesting comment that you've made. Now, I've kind of just quickly listed it under my robots versus humans heading that I wanted to do something with. I kind of didn't really know where I was going with this, other than... See, we started out with um, this this potential theme. Humans good, robots bad. Division 3 robots, Division 3 the Admiral, Division 3 Ptolemy. Ptolemy's taken the place of the Admiral now, because, again, we needed somebody in that spot, and it has to be done. But we've said enough about Ptolemy not having much of a use, but definitely they were presented as Division 3 robots bad guys, David, potentially good, potentially human, potentially nice. And of course that line has been blurred. And the robots versus human arguments also seem to vanish for a few episodes. But then it it comes back in at a really high pace in episodes five, uh, where Switch is now potentially a robot, and therefore this whole idea of robots bad humans good gets really complicated for herself because who knows if she even realizes she might be a robot and obviously yeah division three are they good or bad david are they good or bad so um i've got kind of two two questions to ask her in this take whichever one you you find more interesting hopefully you find one of them interesting which is has the robots versus humans thing vanished completely or have i just kind of missed it because loss of self is actually a theme throughout and therefore I didn't need to see it so blatantly because I'm seeing it as just part of a larger theme of loss of self yeah I think it's changed rather than vanished I think we had very definitive robots versus humans in previous stuff especially when you had all the you know all the machine soldiers or whatever it was in prior seasons it's sort of changed, so it's more about the people becoming robots now, or being okay. corrupted by them. I think you know because Ptolemy used to be human, now isn't. Mm. Um, Switch may or may not have any humanity left. We don't know. Mm. Uh, I think it's changed, and since we're not sure who it's side with, but we definitely want David to not destroy the world. Yes, because the show we watch takes place in a world, and we'd rather not see it gone. Yeah, um, I guess you're forced to not not forced, but you're encouraged to side with the robots in that scenario. But there's enough humans around as well, so you know it, it colors the issue when you've got Carrie and Kerry kicking about. Um, for yes. Ian, you know, I mean, he's not strictly human either. And, 
But I suppose it's robots versus mutants rather than humans. Maybe. Because they are mutants, which are, you know, it's a form of human. But um, Well, do, do you reckon it links into some... I mean, nothing has to be so clear-cut. I mean, Legion isn't built to be black and white. It's built to be shades of not even grey, but psychedelia. So clearly it's it's not supposed to be so easy for us to pick out. But does this all link back in then to... Sid and other characters. I'm specifically thinking Sid because she was challenged by Farouk and who said, who gave her that choice? Are you prepared to be the Trojan horse and betray David from within? And to do that, you're going to have to compromise yourself. You said you did not wish to do this, but when it came to the crunch, you have chosen to do it. So that's, it's related to loss of self because you have you have chosen to give up what you thought was your ideology. Uh, so are, are those things related, perhaps? Uh, well, I think everything has to be related, because otherwise, why is it you know, Why is it part of the story? Sure. Um, you know, you see lesser examples of storytelling where it's like, why the hell is this here? Yes. Is, you know, why, why are you bringing this up now? What does that tell you about anything? But it's, it's the people, I guess, choosing to lose themselves, which is quite interesting. Uh, okay, sure. Sid makes that choice to to compromise herself and and take David from David's self from him. And the interesting thing is they don't frame it as this is revenge. This is what he deserves. Yes, it's the I don't want to do this. Yeah. And they even have that conversation um, prior to Sid doing that, where she does seem reluctant, and she's almost trying to get through to him. And it's again the abused spouse thing. It's but maybe I can change him. Maybe it'll be different this time. So did you believe that, actually, just to jump in there? Because I, even though I considered that she might be tapping into real feelings, I honestly assumed that she was being a good actress and that she didn't really feel it. I think there's a bit of both. I think she's probably looking for that goodness within him that may or may not be there. Sure. Um, So... It's almost like Farouk's plan is the last ditch effort that she doesn't want to go for. And it's, she's looking for a reason not to dig into that. But ultimately yes. she has to, because yes. because David doesn't exhibit any kind of... any appetite to, to be that good person that she wants him to be. And I suppose yeah. that's manipulative in itself, that she wants something from him that he might never be able to be. Uh, yes. I mean, she doesn't force him to become that, but... It's that unrealistic, maybe he will be that, or maybe he can be that, because I want him to be that. And Well, what about what David wants? I mean, this is all about what David wants, in fairness. Yeah. But, um, but if they are to truly be a couple, and if they are truly in love with one another, then each of them have to consider the other. And neither of them are really doing that, which makes the relationship very interesting, because it's that toxicity. And, and she is kind of looking for what she wants from him in that moment. Yes. And then doesn't get it. So Farouk's plan is the only option as far as she's concerned from there. I, I think from a certain black starting point, but nonetheless hopeful perspective, there's there's something quite nice to that just because it shows that there's not a complete loss of hope. And it... It's actually something that I find very difficult in in some of these shows where everything is so bleak and so horrid that when there's no more hope, 
you're thinking, oh, should I really be watching? Can I can I really stomach this? You know, am I actually going to get anything out of this? Now, I think with Legion, I, I probably would still watch because there's a lot of interesting questions to consider, and it's actually got some some good debate here between the two of us, if if nothing else. But but maybe that wouldn't quite be enough. Even so, if I watch too many episodes, and the idea that Sid still has some hope, even if that's the child in her, because she she is still also suffering a little bit like David of, of not having been allowed to grow up properly, of being yeah. stuck in this hospital. She just she has definitely grown up more than David. I mean, that, I think that's undeniable. She still does have that childlike nature to. I want the universe to be this way and it's not and it's so unfair about her. And and the idea that that is also partnered with still a little bit of childlike, I just wish it would be better. I just wish mum and dad could get back together. I just wish this person hadn't died. You know, that it, it, it's, it's nice to see that hope is still there. So... So yeah, maybe maybe I'm attracted to that and wanted, even though I feared that she was just acting. The, the yeah. ending has to be more interesting than defeat David and save the world. There has to be yeah. some kind of catharsis for David as well, because sure. it is his show. It can't just simply be he's brought down. You know, the, he ha- he has to realise that what he's doing is wrong, or he has to, or maybe he makes a decision that you know what I hate the world. I'm just going to end it, yes. or I'm going to reshape it in my own image, or whatever. But however he ends up when this show ends has to kind of flow from what they've established about him. If it just ends with they win and stick him in a cage that'll be horrible. Yeah. It just won't work. And Yeah, so there, need, there needs to be something there. Um, Nobody can really win though, can they? Because I, I think, I, I think it's because we started that argument of well, they're all they're all villainous in some degree and even if Sid and Carrie Carrie aren't villainous. They've aligned with the bad guy. They've chosen to do that. And and Sid has compromised herself by, even if in only some smaller way, by, by choosing to trick and and take an action against David that doesn't have his consent. So they've all gone down that path of darkness to some degree. Yeah. It, it would seem impossible... For the, for the reason that you said, actually, there is no hero. You know, there's nobody, there's no clear hero that just comes out on top here. So it would seem impossible for them to actually pick a winner. They're, to some degree, they've all got to lose. They've all done wrong, and therefore, according to the rules of at least Western storytelling, if you do wrong, you must be punished. It'd be really weird if they all just suddenly got everything they wanted and were rewarded for their... Yeah. Hideous choices. So, so I suppose it's very real that everybody concerned has to compromise in some way. Yes. You know, there will be a there'll be a resolution, and it probably will be that the world doesn't end. Yeah. But but what does that mean? What does Farouk lose in order to make that happen? Yes. What does David lose? Um, I guess David loses that stability that he's looking for potentially. You know, the because the suggestion is that him travelling back in time and trying to change the past is what ends the world. Yes. Um, whether that ends up being what it is, that's I mean, that's just said thinking that's what yes. it is. Oh, yeah. She doesn't know. It's just uh, it's just a theory. So if that's what it is, that means that David never gets to have the upbringing that he wanted. He never gets that family unit that he so craves. He never mm. gets that, you know. And, but maybe he gets something else out of it. Maybe he does get, get some kind of inner peace. It's like, yeah, life can be okay if I don't corrupt people, if I don't take choice away from them. Mm. Life can be fulfilling in some other way. 
And then Division 3, I guess they just get to continue on as they are. You know, they don't achieve this kind of domination that they want, but also yes. they still get to exist. That could be the, the compromise ending for everybody. Yeah. Certainly Division 3, as an entity, can't learn a lesson that is ideological, because that's more for people, that's tricky, and it's yeah. hard to see Farouk learning a lesson. But I guess, you know, David, Sid, Kerry, Kerry, they could... I mean, if I had to guess, leave. I would say Farouk will die. Yeah, like, well, die. or be defeated like Xavier defeated him and, and ends yeah. up on the astral plane. I mean, I know there's, if they're not carrying on, they don't need to preserve the character, but they, they, they could leave it as some form of metaphor whereby David defeats the demon within, but we acknowledge that you can't kill the demon within you. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think I'd prefer that. I think I'd prefer Farouk to be defeated, but it be a metaphor for everybody's darker self in such that you, the best you can hope to do is take control over it. So maybe yeah. David reabsorbs the Shadow King and it's his constant battle forevermore. And he's to, still in there waiting for a moment of weakness to strike yeah. and that's all he needs. Yeah. Which is the same as any selfish desire within inside of it. I think I want something more like more like that, rather than a heroic, somebody stabs the bad guy with a cartoon sword, as well as they've done with that. So I think that leads me to the things what we want and things what we like. I've got a few things left in my notes that probably are worth discussion. Maybe you've got a few things too, but I might just leave it open to a bit more of a general heading. Is there anything that you want to bring up we haven't brought up that you thought that was amazing, or I really didn't like that. So, two main things. The time-eating episode, episode four, there's a bit where they cut to just a random scene from the TV show The Shield. Oh yeah, that was Uh, weird. And it's, well, it's like the time-eaters have eaten the show, and it's like, I don't know, The Shield might have been on in this slot a few years ago, and that's what it would have been at that point of the episode. It's like, I don't know, maybe this is something that they can't, that they would lose it on the DVD if they ever release one, but Um, but it was a nice little touch it was just a random thing and I had to think about it after it to be like what were they doing there but it's like okay it's the bit in Gremlins 2 where uh, the film stops playing Yes. and then they go ask Hulk Hogan to threaten the Gremlins to turn it back on it's a bit like that it's the behind the scenes it's the you know oh yeah the the Time Eaters have eaten the last five years and now the shield is on instead of Legion and it's, it's a fun little thing and it's something that you can play with I think the BBC did that Inside Number 9 thing recently where yeah. uh, they pretended that it broke and, and all this kind of stuff and they did it quite successfully right. almost too successfully because people were like oh well I'll watch this on iPlayer right? and they <laughs> turned it off because they Brutal. thought it was broken <laughs> yeah, but, so that was, that was just something that I, I picked up on another thing I picked up on that I just thought was aesthetically amazing was the flip book fight so oh, it was yeah. a standard punch up action sequence Nothing interesting in that score, but it was framed as flipping the pages on a flipbook. Yes. So it had that almost stop-motion quality, and it was it's one of my favourites in the whole run of the show, probably. Cool. I mean, it's um, not deep, it's not anything, it's the action no. beat for the episode, but, I mean, it was it was the time-eating thing as well, I think. Yes. I think it was nice. Yeah, it was the time-eating thing, so, yeah, we're seeing parts of the fight be eaten away, but... But it was very much that you you almost see the fingers manipulate the, the flip book as well. When you yes. see the pages flip, you don't see the fingers. But No, no, no. It was really good. Uh, I, and it was one of those visually amazing things. And it makes me wish that Noah Hawley was involved in Doctor Strange 2 in some way. Oh, right. 
Yeah, as, as much as I do like my meaning and my debate about what uh, what what has or has not happened and been said, I'm, I'm not somebody that says that I sh- there shouldn't be just good visuals that are just interesting. And despite that, though, they did do it with some purpose. It did have to stand out as a different dimension, which it did. It still had to. I mean, they are fighting. They might as well play with it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest parts. Um, Anything that you didn't like, or you generally a Neil before of these four episodes? Uh, I'm generally a Neil before of the the episodes. I mean, I've already mentioned that I didn't like the, or it's not I didn't like it. It's just that I thought it was a bit uh, missing an opportunity about the fact that the Xavier plot didn't really tell us more than. We already know. Oh, right, yeah. uh, we, I mean, I really like this version of Xavier. I think he, um, forget the actor's name, but he did a really good job. Mm. Um, although, I, I'm going to say I didn't really get a sense that he was Charles Xavier, but then, uh, what am I basing that on? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different, days, you know. Yeah, Dif- totally different universe, totally yeah. different perspective on him, yes. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, he's nothing like a car- the cartoon version of scene, he's nothing like. Patrick Stewart's version is nothing like James McAvoy's version, but equally he's not trying to be. No. So I guess the only real connection you have to him being Charles Xavier is the fact that he's building Cerebro. Otherwise yes. he could be anybody. Uh, well, he is He is a mutant who has the serious power. I mean, he is pretty powerful. They make that absolutely clear. Yeah. And and he, he has the right power set, and he is, in his intention... Um, investigative and he does try and help uh, Gabrielle. I mean, you could say he just thinks that she's hot and wants to get with her, but that seems... A, Which is a, a lot like the James McAvoy version, if, if that's... Fair enough, but maybe that's a bit cynical. So, if we assume that he is presented in this as a very intelligent person, who is a very powerful mutant, who does have at least some instinct to help other people, then I think we've got a sufficient connection there to Charles Xavier, but just presented through a different lens. And yeah. if anything is a different lens, then that is Legion, you know. So yeah. it seems it seems on topic enough. I did find the going into space thing a little bit pointless. Sure, uh, okay. It was the, let's go into space, it'll take us beyond teleport range. It's like, okay, how do you know that? And... <laughs> That's and it didn't. Weird one. And it made no difference. Yes. So they were just in space. I mean, I liked Kerry's reaction. That was great. Yeah. They go to space? Like, yeah. Yeah, I suppose you are. But I don't know why. I mean, it, it doesn't factor in any other way because all the action is inside the Zeppelin after that point and, and David's yeah. still there. So it makes no real difference. Aye. Um, I guess it was something that was on the bucket list for the writers. Maybe. Final season. Screw it. We're going to space. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Spend that budget. Yeah. Um. No, fair enough. Um, I didn't, I didn't pick out that myself as as uh, as being too much of a bugbear. But of course, these things are very subjective. I didn't love it either, though. To be fair, it did seem like it was. What? What, what are you doing? I mean, you so, could have accomplished the same without doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've already mentioned the bit that knocked me the most, though, with the characters. But I need to potentially reconsider that. Um, my my real bother one though is when. People do things because the plot needs them to. So Carrie's teleportation, that bothered me. It was so blatantly because the plot needs to. Um, I got a little bit of 
Kerry got into a fight because the plot needed to, and if David really wanted, he could have put her into space like the rest of them, but yeah. he couldn't because she was a main character. There's li- little bits like that. I don't think they ruin the episode for me, but it, it's just odd little strange things when they stand out. I didn't really understand little things, like when Carrie says, Treachery! When he suddenly finds out he's been mind-controlled by David, I think, well, hang on. He's the villain who might end time that you're hunting down. Who's betrayed you here? He wasn't a friend. But it it felt like somebody needed to get a Shakespearean line in there, and they thought it sounded cool. And and to me, it sounded completely out of place. So I can't say as I didn't find a few things were a bit because they needed to be. But but generally speaking, I'm going to go kneel before on these four episodes as well. And uh, what, what do I want to bring up? I wanted to bring up power levels. I felt that the power levels were done really well. Xavier's power level, totally believed it. Um, I quite like the skipping maneuver where he just touched his forehead, and then you saw the the mental blast that just kicked David back into his own time. Yeah, um, yeah, and I quite like the presentation of. Um, do you want out of here? I do want out of here. Okay, right, well, it's now daytime, and everybody is suddenly congratulating us for being completely cured. Yay, well yeah. done you, you can leave the hospital. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's exa- this guy has chosen to come into a mental hospital because he wants to investigate stuff. Yeah. And he wants to see how minds work and what goes wrong. And he wants to learn what his powers can and can't do. And I thought, that, that shows that they've, they've really paid attention to Xavier's character, with all the stuff you've already said about Xavier, but also adding on that bit, they've they've really thought about what he can and can't do and what that would mean for him. Farouk, yep, yeah, he's in there as the consultant. Oh, you want to defeat time demons? I can totally do that. You want to know how to defeat David by being a Trojan horse? I can give you an evil twist on that, but yes, I can. You know, he's, he is presented as the sort of person that you'd expect who has been powerful since the dawn of time mm. um, and David as well he he's locked out of using his powers only by a force that he can have no understanding of the, the time demons they do manage to shut him down but they do it with well from his perspective the illusion of his mother's jail cell so it's not done by sheer force it's done by some intelligent use of power that occurs in a dimension that he that David's not used to. But even at that point, David manages to get control of it, and he realizes, "I am God." And he does his—I um, I forget who is it, Shiva, the Destroyer, the multi-armed goddess—pose, mm. uh, and then he can defeat the the time demons himself and of course when he's on the real material plane nothing can stop him okay no that's not true Farouk can stop him but nobody else stands any chance (laughs) well not by pure power she does it by the intelligence method and I'm I'm totally on board for that because how do you defeat Superman when you're Lex Luthor you talk you have an idea and you build a trap and um, that's, that's cleverly done so Ultimately, I think the power levels of all three people, who must be really difficult to write when you have simply got... I don't... Do they call it... I forget what they call it. Is it Omega-level mutations? Yeah, Omega-level mutant is the is the term in, in the uh-huh. comics, yeah. 
Mm. And certainly, is, I think David is and Farouk is. I don't know if Xavier is supposed to be, but either way, they've got two of them in there, and that must be difficult think, to write. Yeah, is. I don't think Xavier is quite Omega level. I think but he's pretty high. To, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's supposed to have the most powerful brain in the world, but I think he's just more practiced than other people are. Yes. Um, so David probably sure. is a, not as good a telepath as he is. No. Because he's not had that practice. He doesn't understand that power and, and how it works and, and things like that. But um, in terms of raw power, David is yeah as big as it gets, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's quite insane. Yeah, well, yes, indeed. Um, I had down that he refers to himself as Legion for the first time in the most he recent episode. Does I didn't think that was earned. Actually, it was. In, it's suggested throughout that he's got multiple personalities. But you, yeah. you know, when you were talking in episode one about how you really like to see there were two or three Davids. Yeah, I've never had any impression before now, though, that there were a thousand Davids. So I th- maybe that was a bit unearned, but they have to ram these things in somehow. Yeah, it was a bit. Um, it was a bit weird that he suddenly goes and calls himself Legion. I think, um, you know, they, they had other declarative sentiments that were that were better than that. Yeah, uh, the nothing that hurts me is real sentiment, for example. Was yes, that was. Yeah, okay. This is him believing in the hype a bit. Yeah. And maybe there's transitions to the I'm an army inside my own head kind of thing, but not in the space of a, like a single episode. It's it's a bit soon for that. I don't know. But yeah, we've seen multiple Davids pretty much since season one. Yes, you know, that's the, right. Yeah. The Shadow King version of him, the version that's stuck in the, the ice prison, the version that's um, all of the all sorts of different versions. You know, the, all the alternate universe versions. Yes. Arguably yeah. they're in his head because he's aware of them. And, oh, fair enough, yeah. yeah. But again, they would need to maybe more directly address that than they did. And maybe they will. I mean, we still have three episodes. Well, I wonder if they... I don't know what the the setup was from the production. Did they get the eight episodes that he... Did he get the eight episodes that he wanted, or did he want ten? And so some of these little things that I've said I didn't feel like they were earned just kind of fell through the cracks. I'm not sure, because um, last season they were gifted an extra episode, which I thought was weird. But, but this season, I don't know if they asked for eight and got eight, or... We're just no. eight, you know, but um, it might be a okay. We want to finish this show because you know Disney are about to pay for you. So, <laughs> uh, so here's your eight episodes. Finish this off, and then we'll never speak of this again. Kind of <laughs> Which um, is a shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, I, I mean, I think if we were going into season four, five, six, seven, it'd be it'd be too much. You know. It's, yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's a it's a distinct story that has to have an endpoint. Yeah. Otherwise, it will just. Otherwise, it becomes ridiculous instead of delightfully crazy. Yeah, I don't believe that this was the plan all along. I do f- believe that they have the the milestones mapped out, okay. and they had stuff or alternative stuff that they maybe wanted to try. Um, sure. Because I think that we discussed this in, in Gotham at one point, maybe offline, but it's the idea that they had I don't know seven seasons mapped out before they even shot the first episode, and it's like mm. okay. Having some idea where you're going is a good idea, but you also have to react to how the show's being received. Yeah. You have to react to how the net what the network thinks of it. You've got to react to all these things. Yeah. Um, because in the same interview they said, Oh, but we put more of David Mazuz in because we like him. It's like, well, <laughs> you haven't really planned it then, have you? No. You know, it's, um so I don't think Noah Hawley's ever come out and said, Yes, we've got six years of this planned and every single minute of every episode is meticulously laid out. It's, it's not like that. I think um, I think they're coming up with things that suit the things they've already got. 
and they probably had some idea of where they might have wanted it to go, but but there's room for diversion in there. Because I think that there'll be surely between seasons it's here's what the fans are saying, here's what yeah. the tractors are saying and you know, here's some improvement ideas that we might be able to take on board and things like you know, that's that's the nature of entertainment now. You know, your yeah. audience I mean, it you is. Can ignore yeah. them if you want, but but that might be foolish, yes. Well, it depends. I mean, some people are just like, I want this because it's I want this and I won't accept anything else. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't understand how storytelling works. You don't understand <laughs> how, yeah, this, you don't understand these characters. You know, yeah. you, you want this character to pair up with this character because you think this actor is attractive and this other yeah. actor is attractive. So therefore, these two characters should pair up. But no, it makes sense for none of them. Um, I'm not saying anyone said that about Legion, but no, no, you know you'll have the you'll have the David Kerry shippers out there. I would imagine, um, but that would never happen because <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, uh, as an example. Yeah, I feel like they've got a plan, and I feel like the plan has changed over the years from what it was before. Whatever that plan was, we'll never know because this is all we're getting. Correct. And the thing is as long as it doesn't make us think about what if they'd went with some of their other ideas then we'll be doing well well as I say I've I've come to trust them actually I do cross this writing directing team I believe in that when they've set something off there's been a payoff I believe that when they've created plot like I said with Xavier I, I believe it is intelligent and thought out. It does seem like it comes from somewhere rather than just, we're writing Lost and we just need to have crazy things happen. Somebody get me a dictionary, roll a dice and tell me what turns up next. You know, it's never been that bad. It's, yeah. uh, it's In fact, it's been exactly the opposite. As I say, I've got that trust that they've intelligently added things together that mean something. They've got the atmosphere. Uh, they've got the little, little extra bits to think about with the music and... Especially what you said currently with this series, David thinks in terms of songs because he's not capable of thinking in terms of an adult monologue. So, it yeah, I, I, I totally trust them with that, and and I'm actually quite looking forward to the last three episodes. So yeah, I'm compelled to see where it's going to go. So, do you have anything you would like to end on, or in the vein of Legion, begin with? Because we don't really know where we are. No, actually, I think. Um Covered almost everything, which is surprising. Nice. Um, yeah, I didn't think we'd get through everything that I had noted down, but it all fit neatly into these different headings. So cool. What we have said there then is we totally understand Legion. We get it. We've nailed that. We know everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, this is, as far as I'm aware, the only Legion podcast on the internet. Oh, really? Nice. I, I don't know. Maybe there is a Legion oh, podcast. Well, I can't back that up. Well, I look forward to the next three episodes then completely undoing everything I've thought because that's what happened in previous <laughs> series. I committed to all these things and then it was like, no, it's not that. Like, oh, fair enough. And we might have Chris back next step for the final episode. All right, okay, cool. Yeah, Chris has been lost in the void or, I don't know, whatever these people get lost in in Legion. Time he's, corridor, eaten by a time yeah, demon. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's here. You just haven't heard him because all his contributions have been eaten. That's true. That's it. That's it. Chris is here all along, but his contribution was eaten. In that case, I will ask you to say your farewells in the appropriate Legion fashion. I don't know what the appropriate Legion fashion is, but... Nobody does. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, forget about that bus trip earlier. Just, I'm going to encourage a time eater to eat some stuff I'd rather not have to think about. That's what we'll wait to do. And I'm going to say... 
So that was our discussion in second part of Legion's episodes. Thanks to YouTuber 331ERock for the supplied music. If you are liking what you are hearing on Legion, Neil Before Rise Against or any of the subjects, you should be able to find us on iTunes, YouTube or any of the other podcasting apps you might like to use. If you are on iTunes, please give us a rating and a comment. And if you want to discuss Legion, or in fact anything else you can find on the website, please leave a comment on Neil Before Blog. That is neilbeforeblog.co.uk. We are always happy to hear from you and hope you'll join us for the next podcast. Facebook and Twitter as well. Oh yeah, just add that in. Can't say <laughs> no. Leave this in the podcast, just put that in as well. <laughs> Oh, it's me just invading. Yeah, yeah do it. That's totally legion. You're yeah. telling you.